Are you a character? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Characters Here Podcast. I'm your host, Arthur and artist, Sharday. To get all this personality and entertainment, you can follow me on social media at Characters Here. And for more information, visit CharactersHere.com. characters welcome to characters here podcast i am your host Sade, and to be honest this is like the umpteenth time i've recorded this episode (laughs) it really is y'all i have not been able to get my thoughts together i'm not nervous but let me just tell you i am interviewing myself and it is oh my gosh i can't even get past the first question so i thought it would be a great idea to interview myself because season three of Characters Here is coming to an end um, in November. It's going to start back up again season four in February 2020. But this year, season three is coming to an end in November, late November. So I'm like, oh my goodness, we only got a few weeks left. I need to do at least like two or three more interviews. But honestly, it might just end up being two. And then I was like, wait a minute, I could interview myself, you know? So I was like, okay, let me go on here, find some of the questions that I would normally ask other interviewees and go off of that. And the number one question that is the same throughout, if you listen to any of my podcast interviews, is what was your childhood like? And I just cannot, I'm like, goodness, how do people, now I'm starting to see. (laughs) It's funny how when you're on one side, you know, you you think it's easy, but until you get on the other side, you're like, whoa, wait a minute. This kind of hard. <laughs> so to anyone who's ever done an interview with Characters Here podcast, oh, you are so much more amazing than I thought before. Like, my goodness. It's not that they're hard questions, but just to wrap up your life in like just a few words or maybe a few minutes is amazing. I'm, Oh, my goodness. So let's get straight to the point. Okay. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you the number, the question, and I'm just going to answer that question. Let's keep it like that. But I also want to highlight that I am really doing this because I want to gain more information about myself and I hope that it helps you as well. But I also am doing this so that other people can get to know me before they come to my art show, which is on Saturday, November 2nd from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. in Dallas, Texas. Um, you can go online and search The Growth of an Artist, Sade's very first solo art show on Eventbrite, um, as well as my website, charactershere.com. And you can also go on my social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, and you can go and go to at charactershere, my handle, and you can find me. And I also have the fly on there as well. So without further ado. Let's get right into it. Number one, what was your childhood like? (laughs) I'm laughing because I've answered this question like 12 times and I ain't had it right, but I'm going to get it right now. (laughs) My childhood, when I think about Chardin, little Chardin, think about my past, my childhood. First things that I can remember is drawing a picture of my dad. And I think he was wearing his work uniform. And then I also remember myself writing when I was younger another thing that comes to mind is I remember drawing a picture of a easel with a canvas on it and then there was an artist who was supposed to be me 
with the with the artist gear on with the apron and the the art palette the paintbrush and the little hat with the you know the little artist hat and <laughs> and I put on that paper I want to be an artist when I grow up or something like that I still remember the picture but it was something along the lines of it saying when I grow up I want to be an artist and then I started getting into writing I got into writing around the third grade and I wrote the my very first children's book. It was made out of printer paper, the long like 11 by 17. I had folded it in half and stapled it and it was called My Little Baby Brother. And it was around the time my little sister was being born and I thought I, I thought she was going to be a boy, y'all, but she came out to be a girl. And I was really excited. So it was about what I thought, how I thought I would be as a big sister to a little boy. Or even just being a big sister, period. But those are two things that come up. How I wrote a book as a little girl and how I said I wanted to be an artist because I drew a lot. And those two things, honestly, I wish, oh my goodness, if you have children who are showing you things of what they want to become when they become older, please keep encouraging them to chase those dreams. I went to um, Booker T. Washington Performing and Visual Arts School. And I went there for one year. That one year was one of the most profound, like one of the most important years in my life because I learned how to be a better artist in that one year. I did a ceramics class, a sculpture class, a jewelry class, a printmaking class, an art studio art class, you know, you name it, well-rounded. And I was a sophomore, I want to say at that time. But also because of that school, because I had so many credits, I was able, when I went back to my regular school, I graduated um, a year early. My childhood was really, really good. And it was mostly because I was very quiet. Um, I did not like a lot of attention, very sensitive. A lot of these things I kind of grew out of. Like, I still don't like attention as much, you know. Um, I like to always put attention on other people. I love being behind the scenes. Um, but I, as I'm learning, you know, when you're doing things, you have you can't be afraid to put yourself out there. Also, sensitivity. It went away when um, I got to middle school. I had to see somebody else be as sensitive as I was for me to stop being sensitive. So there's another story. When I was in the all throughout elementary school, I would cry at the drop of a dime. Like if the teacher said, you failed this class or you failed, not failed this class, I'm sorry. If you failed this uh, test, I would just like, oh my gosh, it was like never ending tears. Like I feel like a failure. Even when I would get like a C or even a B, especially when everyone else got an A, you know, I felt like I was less than, like I just did not like feeling like I was at the bottom or I just, I was, you know, I wasn't the best, you know? So I was very, very, very sensitive growing up. It wasn't until I got to middle school, seventh grade. I want to say it was the first day of classes. It had to be an English class. I was sitting on the second row right behind this girl. Teacher was calling row and she called her. The teacher called the student's name and she said here, but I don't think the teacher could really hear her. Uh, the teacher was like, when I call your name, you need to say it loud enough so I can hear you. And next thing you know, the girl gets up and she quickly walks out the room. And then I was like, oh my goodness, 
I know why she got up and left because she went to she is sensitive. She went and she went to go cry. And I was like, wow, that's probably how it was for me. I remember laying my head down on desk and, and, you know, crying. And, you know, it's just like, wow, I did not know it was like that. Like I was that until I seen it. And honestly, that's what really made me get out of it like that. Like, I won't say that I was completely out of it, but it didn't. Like if somebody said, like a teacher spoke with authority towards me like that, or if I didn't make a passing grade, I was not like that anymore. I didn't, I didn't cry like at a drop of a dime. So that was one thing that I overcame, sensitivity. Perfectionism. I was a perfectionist all throughout school up until I got to college. I will talk about that when I get to that point. But all throughout school, I was perfectionist, and I think that's what made me overly sensitive about, especially my education. Childhood was fun for me because I made it fun, and I also had really good parents. I really appreciated their parenting because even after they divorced, we still had that. Uh, were able to visit my dad every uh, weekend and go to his house, and like with my mom, even though we with her through the week. We got both sides, like we got two worlds in one. And it seemed like we got two of everything. Like we would get two Christmases and two Thanksgiving celebrations. It's just, I don't know, I don't want it to sound bad, but it just makes it seem like we, there was more of a benefit of them being separate than together. Like with my dad, he lived in North Dallas. My mom lived on the South Dallas end. And so we not only got to see what life was like, you know, in the hood, we got to see what life was like, not in the hood. And then often a lot of people would say growing up, you know, oh, you talk this way or you sound this way. I don't think that it was because um, we were around my dad in North Dallas. I think it was because we had parents that was making sure we spoke correctly. Education was very big between my mom and my dad. They both were always expressed education. Also, because of that, I got really, really into English, into writing, like I said. So I always like to be clear when I'm speaking. Now, that doesn't happen always because you're going to talk how you talk. Let's just be honest. I know I'm a writer being all honest and comfortable in my skin, I I know I have an accent to a lot of people. <laughs> I didn't know I had that accent until I went to college. And uh, one of, uh, I think it was, who was it? It was one of my sister's friends. And she was like, oh, y'all Dallas people, y'all have this certain how y'all talk. <laughs> and it was like with certain words, like especially our R's. <laughs> Uh, the stars, the bars, the hers, the cars, like everything was just an extra emphasis on those words and so no syllables. So, um, yeah, I'm a Dallas person and, and it comes out really hard at times and sometimes it doesn't like, especially at work. I've worked with customer service and some of my jobs have been call centers and you have to answer the phone. When you answering the phone and you talking to people, you have to be like, hi, this is, let me see, you may use characters here as an example. So thank you for calling characters here. This is Sade. How may I assist you? You know, something like that. But what I found is really funny is that my, I have a voice that fluctuates a lot, like a whole lot. Like sometimes my voice can be really low. Sometimes my voice will be mid range. And then sometimes my voice get really high. 
And I noticed that when I was in school, like (laughs) it was this one boy, this was the fourth grade and he would be mimicking me like how I talk. He would be like, my name is Shade or, you know, something that's like, and I'm like, I don't sound like that. (laughs) I my voice fluctuates, y'all. I have tried. And I think a lot of it um, comes from an emotion standpoint. Because I noticed that when I was in school, I did have more of a nervousness about myself because, especially when it came to being in groups, I only tried to talk loud when the teacher was like the one saying, Sade, read this passage because I had this experience in like in school when we had to read out loud. And I don't know about y'all, but when it comes to reading out loud, I really like to make sure I didn't have any words that I got stuck on. You know, I was going to pre-read before she called on me. I felt it. And a lot of times I would end up getting the parts that I was like, okay, this is cool. Now, sometimes I would get them. I was like, oh, I don't know what this word is. Don't call on me, Jesus. <laughs> this will probably be one of the longest answers to this question. The other ones I'm pretty sure won't be as long, but I just had to. My childhood was was really good beyond the crying and the perfectionism and sensitivity and all that it was good when I think about it because of my parents again my parents made sure to teach and preach to my sisters and I at a very young age and I'm not a parent I'm a rich auntie you know I'm I'm gonna acquire them riches financially but you know um wisdom like and all that knowledge and stuff you know I got you that's the richness I'm talking about like I'm gonna give you a word or two but when it comes to kids it is very important to teach them while they're young and that is what I have benefited from from my parents they taught me very young like this street smartness and book smartness they taught me to get an education from very young. And that's why I've always pursued wanting to go to college from very young. Like my whole perspective on life was as a child, you know, I do elementary, I do middle school, but I can skip high school and go straight to college. Like that was my mentality. And I think because of that mentality, that's why I ended up graduating early from high school. So it's always good to keep thinking about the things you want in life because you just never know. Like you may not get exactly what you want, but you're going to get something very close to it. So I always speak that positivity and that say of what you want and always go after for what you want because it ends up coming true. Question number two, were you in any activities or sports? If so, what was it and how long were you in it? I wasn't in any sports. I did join the band when I was in elementary school in the third grade my whole life changed and I became a part of the band and I was in the band playing the flute from the third grade to the sixth grade and I had one of the best band directors that I've ever known and I became a really really good flute player in the sixth grade I became the the lead the section lead of the flutes and I had this one part so we're going to a competition with other schools. And of course, I'm pretty sure they got 10 flute players in their bands. But in our band, we have, I think, three or four of us. And so when it came to this one part, I was the only one having to play. And I remember, you know, getting up there. You got the judges down there, the audience, and we're getting ready to play. And I get to my little part and I'm, you know, I'm playing my flute, you know what I'm saying? So afterwards, we went second place. And before we got our place, I remember the band instructor looking at me. He said, Sade, you played that flute. 
<laughs> I will never forget it. <laughs> I'm so appreciative for memories like that. Yeah, that was really the only thing I was ever really a part of for a long period of time was being in the flute. Music is something that I really enjoy. As a creative, I feel like you're not just in tune with one thing. You're in, you're in tune with multiple things. So that's why I gravitate towards um, art and books and writing and uh, music. I would write songs a lot when I was a kid. I danced a lot. And it wasn't until I came across one of my good friends today that I got back into dancing. Because I used to make up dances and all that growing up with my sisters. Like I said, I had to keep it fun, you know, growing up. But yeah, band was one of the things that I was a part of. And it had a very big impact on me because I also learned about when you stick with something, you you get better at it. So those three years playing the flute, I became very good at playing the flute. I still have that flute. I haven't played it in years. Uh, I think I, the last time I picked it up was probably when I was in college, maybe. Question number three. Did you have a role model growing up? Um, did your family members or parents influence you? So I did have a role model growing up. And I mostly looked up to Brandy, the singer. I mean, she was on Moesha. She had her own Brandy doll. She was Cinderella. When it came to representation... This wasn't even like a a word that was so popular back then, but it was because of that. Brandy was the person I looked up to when I was a little girl, like a young girl, because she was just that it girl. Like it was like a girl the same complexion as me. So Brandy was the person I looked up to now. For my whole entire life, I would have to give that to my parents. My parents, shout out to all the parents out there is what I have to say. Y'all just got to understand it's y'all your kids number one role model, like for real. And they may not tell you or they not, may not realize it, but you are because you're the person that they see just about every day and everything you do, they're looking at it because they really want to be like you. So that my true role models are definitely my parents. And I'm glad for it because like I said, they taught me at a very young age about a lot of things and they kept talking to me they didn't just tell me a little bit and stop they continue to talk to me to this day <laughs> and i appreciate it um the question number four how did you make the decision to go to college and study what you studied so i made a decision to go to college because it wasn't a decision i just always knew i was going to college because it started very early i had this thing i was like who is trying to go to high school when you're trying to go to college i mean why? And when I got to college, I was like, see, this is what I'm talking about. The first two years was basically redoing everything I did in high school. And the last two years was me trying to figure out what this major was about in two years when it should have been these entire four years. But I really think that's something that should really change when it comes to college. When you go to college, you should not have to be retaking math, science, and writing. You should be getting right into the field that you came to college for. That's what high school is for. But, you know, I ain't the one on the other end. The decision to go to college was already made when I was young and I was I stuck with it. Around middle school, I was taking um, pre-SATs and I remember one of the teachers asking, you got like saying to the majority of our class, like, you guys need to know or have an idea of what you want to study when you go to college. They had a list of all these majors that you can go for. And one of the things that caught my eye was architecture. 
Now, I don't remember if they had like a part that explained what it was or that I looked it up later. But an architecture was some was a person who created designed buildings. And all I thought about was like it was an art artistic side to it where I would be drawing buildings. And that's all I thought about. So I would say I wanted to be an artist um, as a backup plan if my architecture thing didn't, didn't work out. When I got to college, that was what I was focused on. I was like, I'm going to school for architecture because this is the first, this is what's number one. It's going to allow me to do um, what I want to do as an artist, but without being a starving artist. See, at the time, this was like 2009, I didn't know any artists of the ones that were dead who were making money. So my main goal was to get this degree, go to a firm, make money, and you know try the best i can to implement my artistry into it and see that it takes off because i know i'm just not gonna make money as an artist because i'm gonna be um probably dead or just never heard of um one thing i want to say is never make your dream a backup plan because that's exactly what i did and that's exactly what happened like i said earlier it's important to always um speak of the things that you want or the things that you see happening for yourself because if you do not they won't happen whatever you're saying and speaking up on your life is going to happen it may not happen the way you want it to happen but it will happen prime example again is me always saying how i wanted to skip high school skip high, i kept saying i wanted to skip high school and go straight to college i skipped the grade not skipped the grade but i only did high school for three years i did not have to do a senior year i only did freshman um freshman sophomore and junior year and i graduated high school so they i didn't completely skip high school but i didn't have to do it a whole four years i graduated early so it's very important to always speak those things because when i went to college all i kept saying was architecture is first architecture is first um me wanting to be an artist me wanting to be a writer that's my backup plan you know that's in the back i will say that while i was in college because architecture was supposed to take over the art part i didn't draw as much um freehand i didn't sketch paint none of that but i did write a lot um online it was this thing called b2k fan fiction i would go on all the boards that i could find and i would just read different stories and eventually got brave enough to write my own story so i would post stories on these different uh forums and and boards it was just coming up with stories and I made I'm so glad that I kept some of my artistry alive. So in that time in college, I wrote a lot. Um, I did not paint a lot. Now, when I was in school for about the first semester of architecture, um, I felt like I needed to get an edge up because I was like, goodness, all of these students that's in architecture, we're all working hard. So how am I going to be, you know, noticed when it comes to getting in the job market? So I went with a friend to the liberal arts, which is so crazy. Like all this is connected now. And so I went on, looked in, I was in the advising office of the liberal arts department and I'm looking at all these different majors they got. And the one that caught my eye was advertising. And I was looking at it and I was like, advertising, like ads, that's art, you know? And the first thing I noticed was how the classes that you needed were very similar to the classes that you needed for architecture. So I was like, oh, if I take up this major, I'm halfway through it because I've already taken what's required 
with architecture for this major. So um, that was my main sole reason for taking it. I did not ask my own architecture advisor if I could double major. I just went off the word of the liberal arts advisor. She was like, yeah, you can double major, but I don't think she knew that I was an architecture student until later. So it was not advised for architecture majors to double major because architecture really took up all your time. I even had professors like, you cannot work while being an architecture major because let me tell you, at that time, that was the only, well, I don't know now, but when I was going to school, that was the only building that was open 24 seven. Students had microwaves, mini fridges, couches, <laughs> blankets, pillows. We lived in those buildings and I had experienced what it was like to sleep without, for like, to go days without sleeping. And I'm going to tell you, I said, after I dropped that major, I said, I would never, ever, ever go more than 24 hours without sleep. Because that, going without sleep, like, y'all, you would be crazy, like, mentally. <laughs> Rest is so important. Anyway, um, I decided to double major and I double majored for, I want to say a year. And I struggled so much in the struggle was because I didn't notice it at the time, but I was losing interest in architecture. And it wasn't until I kept getting pushback. That's what it was. I was receiving a lot of pushback with architecture. And I would get to a certain point and then I would end up failing the class in architecture. And I would be told, okay, you gotta make this grade up. I think a lot of the pushback came from when it was with this particular math class. I wanna say it was calculus because I could never understand calculus. So it was calculus class and I had to have that class done for architecture. The first time I took it, I took it off campus because it was cheaper to take it at a community college than it was to take it in my own school. So I took it at a community college and I failed it. And I had to come back to the school and the lady was like, well, you can take it again. And I took it a second time and I ended up passing it because let me tell y'all, it comes down to the, who your professor is. Cause I took statistics and passed it with an A. And it was because who my professor was. She made it easy. She had available office hours. I always showed up at her office hours. She gave us homework that resembled the test. <laughs> I mean, goodness, it was pretty much like you could easily get an A. The only time you wasn't going to get an A in this ladies class is if you didn't show up. And if you didn't do the homework. And I always did the homework because the homework looked exactly like the exams. It comes to who your teacher is in any subject, anything you want to learn. It is who your teacher is. This is why in this life I cannot fail because my main teacher is God. When it comes down to things you want to do in life, whoever your teacher is, it has a huge, huge influence on how you're going to whether pass or fail. So in architecture, I had got to a point to where I had to, I couldn't continue on because I needed this math class in order to get to the next, um, the next year. And it was going to be my junior year. So I failed that uh, math class and I couldn't move on. So I said, you know what? I'm going to finish out my advertising major and then come back to architecture. So because my whole purpose was just finish our advertising, just finish advertising, while I was finishing up advertising, I wasn't even thinking about advertising. I was just trying to finish it, trying to get through it. And had I really just paid attention to what was going on in advertising, I would really understand how business works today. And it's so important that 
we don't get so hung up on what's giving us pushback and instead focus on where we are, then we can move mountains. But I was just so focused on, I just got to get through this so I can get back to architecture. I just got to finish this so I can get back to architecture. It came to the point of me where I am graduating with a 3.0. And mind you, my GPA would have been a lot higher, but because I was making all these D's and C's in architecture, it caused my GPA to drop, even though I'm not even graduated and yet I'm graduating with an advertising degree. So it affected my overall GPA. So I graduated from college with my first bachelor's degree. Well, my only bachelor's degree with my advertising uh, degree. And uh, I, like I said, I didn't really pay attention in advertising, but there were so many classes that I took for advertising that I still remember to this day, more so than the architecture classes, because I benefited more in life from those advertising classes than I have from my architecture classes. My architecture classes taught me everything that I did not want. And my advertising classes have taught me everything that I do want and still want. But because I wasn't paying attention, I have to relearn it. So after I graduated from... Uh, my with my advertising degree I go back to try to take up um, architecture and I meet up with my advisor and somehow she done got the word out that I'm the only student you know she's told another advisor she was like yeah this is the student that's double major oh this is the double major like they've been talking about me I'm just like wow really I'm right here <laughs> but anyway she was like yeah so we're gonna put you on prob academic probation for a 0 0.1 being below the required GPA. That right there should have been a slap in the face. But because I was so caught up on I have to finish what I started. I have to finish what I started. This is something I also want um, for people to know. When something is giving you constant pushback. Now there's a difference between good pushback and bad pushback. If something is continuously giving you bad pushback. That means you don't need to be doing it. If something is giving you good pushback, keep doing it, okay? A good pushback is when you haven't got there yet, but the pushback, it may be financial reasons or it just may not be the right timing. But as you're moving along this journey, those good pushbacks still you are able, like you still have these good experiences. You're still growing. People are recognizing you for those good things. Like you may not be where you want to be, or you may continuously getting pushbacks on certain things, but it's for the good. Everything is still working out strong. It's still going good. Bad pushback is when it's in fact, um, it's affecting your health, your mental stability like it's affecting you in a negative way and that's what it was doing to me in architecture architecture was constantly a negative thing like i said i wasn't getting enough sleep um i was having to retake classes that means i was constantly paying for classes to take even though it was cheaper to take it off campus and not even that it was just me period just trying to stay on this path of I came in with this with this architecture major. I'm going to finish with this architecture major. Like I did not want to be the kid 
or who you know how people say oh she changed her major about 15 times she don't know what she want to do i didn't want that to be me i didn't want their label but this thing y'all you cannot be focused and worried about what other people think what other people say and how you're going to be perceived to other people because when you think about those things that becomes your focus that's why it's good to always focus on the things that you truly want out of life because again you may not get it exactly like you want it but you will get it and that's when it comes to good pushback i was receiving nothing but bad pushback when it came to architecture and so much so to it was you know oh my gosh it just feel like god be really trying to give you signals and telling you this is not for you this is not what i have for you but you just keep on keep going after it and i'm trying to tell you this is not it y'all i had it got so bad that i was in junior year of architecture which meant that I had got through all the hard parts. But now I was supposed to be at the part where it got easier and I was struggling. I was in a year of architecture where everything was computer-based, no longer hand-drawn, where everything is supposed to be a lot faster, a lot quicker, and less work, but yet I was struggling. It got so bad that I was breaking out and, oh my gosh, I had acne galore. Like my face was covered in pimples. I had even gained weight which is some of the weight I still hold now. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was really, really bad. And it was so bad to the point that I got depressed and didn't even know it. Like I would come home and cry. Like I would just be in tears be in, for no reason. Like I would start talking and all of a sudden I would just start crying. But definitely check out the episode. Um, oh goodness, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's the episode where I'm talking about depression along with one of my friends and uh check it out but y'all it got so bad to where i had gotten to depression and i said you know what some people kept reminding me you already have a degree you already have a degree if you don't want to do this architecture thing or if this architecture thing isn't working for you why are you still trying to pursue it when you already had you went to college to get a degree you already have your degree you know and but see, but also I was in my head, I was like, I didn't want to go to college just to say I have a degree. I don't want to say I went to college just to go or just to get a degree. I want to actually get something out of this. And the sad part is that I was holding on to a lot of pride. And that can also hinder you from a lot of things. And this was another lesson I learned. I thought I could just drop the main uh, studio class and then continue out with the other classes for architecture because in some of those architecture classes I had group projects and here I was about to put people before my well-being I at the time I would say I did not know I was depressed I just knew I had a feeling of I can't do this anymore so I was willing to just drop my main architecture studio class and keep the other classes just because I was in group projects knowing good and well that I just didn't want to do architecture anymore because it was causing all of this havoc in my life. So this is another thing. It is okay to put yourself first. You have to put yourself first. Putting yourself first is a good thing because when you put yourself first, you are making sure that you will A, still be alive and living and being fed and being uh, clothed and making sure that you have everything set because if you don't, then whoever else is depending on you 
would not be taken care of. Now, this is if you're in a family. But if you are a soloist, like I was at the time, and you know these people are not paying your bills, these people are not doing some call checks on you to make sure you're all right, then why are you trying to hinder your life for them? And so then I had got the idea, not the idea, I had just got the guts to be like, okay, this is it. We're going to drop it all. So I ended up dropping all of architecture, all my architecture classes, got all my things, went home, and I don't feel bad about it. It was really, truly a learning lesson. And this lets me know that even when we go through bad experiences, we can still learn from them. Life is to be lived. You are supposed to go through um, bad things and you're supposed to go through good things. But you're supposed to go through more good things than bad. It's when we finally decide to let go of anything that is causing any harm in our lives that we can get the lesson out of it. Now, when you're staying in a circle and you keep going in that circle, you will never learn how to get learn what's better or learn that this is not the route you need to be going. I mean, we know that's not the route. We know we're not just supposed to be going in circles. But you got to take that step out of that circle to see, yep, see that circle is going nowhere but in the circle. And so once I decided to just drop architecture, I had my degree and I just went straight out into the workforce blindly because, again, I wasn't paying attention to my major of advertising. I was just like, okay, I need to hear him get this so I can get to that. And that that was no good for me. You cannot try to be succeeding in life thinking about a problem you know so that's what where I where I messed up at and it's something that I now appreciate school had an impact on me in such a way that now I don't take I don't take any uh, mistreatment I don't take any um I speak up more I will say that I speak up more I recognize when I'm not feeling good about something and that I can be honest with myself. That's one of the truest things I would have to have to say that I learned is to be completely honest with myself because I went to school and not trying to do something because someone else wants it done be, because I know it's something that I want to do. So that was the impact that college had on me. So um, I know not everyone's experiences are good. Like I've interviewed people who have great stories about college. My greatest story from college was my roommate. Shout out to Miss Felicia, roommate. Had I not lived on campus, I would not have met my roommate, who I had ended up staying roommates with my entire time in college. Um, but as well as being able to navigate, being in college is like being in a world, you know, world independent from parents and. We would look up places to go. We would look up um, events on campus and we went to each one and we would always get something free out of it. We'd get a free shirt, free food. You know, it was always a benefit of it or just meeting other kids, meeting other peers. And the second year when we lived off campus in the years following, we still st- we kept up with it. So we would often be like, hey, it's a free event going on, on campus. We're going to go down there, you know, get some free food and get some free clothes. You know, it's because we took that initiative to learn more about our school and what resources we had available to us. I would say it's really another perk about going to college because 
you learn that in life there are so many perks as well so um to this day i still often get free stuff because i learned how to get those free things in college so yeah i would say that's what i learned more in than anything i learned more about myself i learned how to be independent and i also learned how to be true to myself question number five are your family and friends supportive yes they are I have a supportive family and a very supportive group of friends. The friends that I have, oh my gosh, thank you to every single last one of my friends. Shout out to my family for sure because they do support because they've always been here. You know, they got me to this point. But my friends, the people that I have around me are so, so good. Their energy is good. What they're doing in life is good. Like, first of all, shout out to... My roommate, Felicia, shout out to another college friend that I made, Desmond. Shout out to friends that I met after I graduated from college, Rhonda B., Brianna, Dominique, Mr. Rambo. And then my cousin, shout out to my cousin, Daniel, and Tyra. Well, now, I also have friends that are very supportive in the virtual, in the virtual world. I, met, I started making online friends. When I was writing stories online, and those are people like Simone, Carlene, Taylor, Nicole, who I actually met online, like because we worked work from home, just seeing how they're chasing their dreams or going at things in life and doing these things that I'm probably not even brave enough to do. They inspire me more than anything. It is so good to be living this life that I'm living to have people like I have in my life, family and friends who do so much. If I did not say your name, I am so sorry because this is just off the top of my head. But thank you so much if you've ever supported me in any way. Even the new people I'm getting to meet online, like, or even in person who support me by buying a book or by buying my art. Or even just checking out my website and signing up for my newsletter. That is the support right there. Thank you so much. Question number six. Do you think that networking is important in your industry? In every industry, networking is very important. I still network. Um, I don't network on a grand scale. I network a lot when it comes to going to different art events. I network when I send out emails to people that I would like to interview for my podcast. I network when I find out that someone that I follow follows someone else who could be more reachable than the person I follow. That is something I will put out there. You don't always have to go after the people that have hundreds and thousands of followers because let's just be honest, a lot of those people are super busy, they have managers, and you're not gonna get a hold of them. So that's why I always reach out to people who are just a little bit, you know, like a step or two above me, somebody who has a thousand, two thousand, three thousand followers compared to my 300 or 400 followers like it's is really important to go two or one step ahead than 10 because at least there's a closer gap and you can really see yourself reaching their success than just automatically going from zero to a hundred thousand you know what i'm saying so um not that you shouldn't ever reach out because i when i first started this podcast i was reaching out to the people who had the 100k followers and you just never know like i remember one interview we telling me don't stop because you just never know who's gonna reach out to you and then next thing i know 
someone reaches out to me with more followers than I can think of and they're asking me could I interview them and I'm just like oh yes of course do you not know this is characters here podcast (laughs) we interview everybody okay networking is extremely important and I think us introverts have to get have to stop relying on being an introvert as uh for a valid excuse for not being a people person or being networking like because i'm i'm gonna be completely honest i'm still really not a people person i care about people a lot but and it comes down to it after like a few hours of being around people i'm ready to be back by myself so if you know that you have a goal and dream in life to be um to be an owner to be a business entrepreneur person then you're going to have to network. And a lot of it is going to cause you to be very uncomfortable. That's going to be making phone calls, sending emails. Honestly, as an introvert, I would say start out sending emails and then graduate to doing things in person. And then when you think about it, emailing and doing stuff in person is um, calling people. So calling people is doing like both of those things. It's like you actually get to speak to the people in real time, but... um you don't see them face to face, just like with email, you don't see them face to face. Now, email is slower because you're going on someone else's time, not your own. In person is a lot faster because you're there on foot and you can get them on foot. But when you're calling them, you know, you, you got kind of like in between. You can go run into, um, have to take a message and you got to wait for that person to call you back. Or, you know, they only got so much amount of time to talk to you. So you have to be quick on what you're trying to say and get over to them. Whenever there's something that you want to tackle in life and it seems like it's so big, like it's impossible to do it because you have these fears about it, think of it as something really small and just do it. Because honestly, our imaginations are very wild. When we look at things, we look at it as something to that's going to just be the end of the world. When we go through it, we like, oh, that wasn't that bad at all. So that's really all it is. It's just our minds overthinking and being overwhelmed by the situation instead of just going, just go, just go through it. Okay. Just go through it. Take a deep breath and go through it. Number seven, what has been the most challenging obstacle for you in life in your career and how did you overcome it? My biggest challenge is finding my audience. And I think it's because I have this mentality of, I have to reach everyone um, instead of going after who I know and truly believe would be my core audience, which is myself. I have decided, I think last week is when I put together this whole organization thing where I was like, you know what, this just throwing it out there and seeing if a fish will catch it thing is not working. You really have to go after who you are when it comes to who your target audience is. Because if you don't, you end up becoming something that you're not. And so I know what I'm not. So I do know what I am. I want to go after people who are who like being a character, who like having a good time, who are homebodies, but who are creatives as well. So if you are creative and you are a ball of fun when it comes to being around one or two of your good friends, but to the worst of the world, they'll never know how much fun you are, then you are the person that I want to target. Because I also want you to learn the things that I have learned. This is what it's all about. At the end of the day, it's about teaching. Once you learn, you go and teach. Seven. Okay, so number eight. Is there a quote you live by, a book you've read, or a person in your life that keeps you motivated? Yes. My quote has been the golden rule. 
treat others the way you want to be treated. That is what I live by. When I'm out in the public, when I am at work, I always smile or I try to always smile. I always try to just be pleasant with people. Even when people come off being the rudest of the rude, I always try to think just a little bit like, okay, they may just be going through something bad. When it comes to the ongoings of every day, I will always try to put my best foot forward and be as pleasant as a person as possible because no matter what I'm going through, it's no one's fault that I'm going through it. So if I'm finna go somewhere that it has no relations to what I'm going through at home, I will not be bringing that energy to where I'm going. Because no one needs to be having a bad day because I'm having a bad day. Like, that's not how this is supposed to work. If I can walk up in here and keep a smile on my face and keep it moving, you know, I, I do understand it's not easy for a lot of people. And every situation is different. But... For the majority of my life, I'm going to live it the way I want others to treat me. So if I'm going to smile and be pleasant, I expect other people to be pleasant with me. You don't have to smile, but be pleasant. And again, it's just natural for me to smile. I automatically smile. That's just what comes with me. I think it's hereditary because my mom does the same thing. So yeah, that is the quote that I live by. Question number nine. Are you working on any new projects? Yes. So... This entire month of October, I've been getting back into art, painting more. It's been six months since I painted, and I've been painting like crazy, getting ready for this art show. Really, really trying to define myself as an artist. I just like for people to really be intrigued and fascinated, hence Fascinating Paintings is the name of my art store. So I like for people to really feel like, ooh, I will never see this anywhere else. Or, you know, just, just to give people that something that looks lifelike but cartoonish at the same time. Like, I always want there to be um, an edge to realistic to being artificial. Or it's, you can tell that it's drawn, but at the same time, it looks like it could be real. Like, I, I like that stylized art. My art is very stylized, but more than ever, it is abstract, it's stylized, it is texture. It is everything that will make you question a lot, but then satisfy you at the same time. So I'm doing a lot of that. It is, again, my art show, if you will, be in Dallas on November 2nd, Saturday, from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. at Fort Oak Cliff Community Center. Come in, check it out. I had nine questions. I'm not going to do the fun random questions part. Because I feel like I am fun and random all throughout life. If you don't know, I am. I really hope that y'all got a lot of this. I honestly got a lot about out of this interview. I was able to go back in my past and see why it makes so much sense now. Today, in presence time. Um, and I'm just hoping that the future is so amazingly bright. I want to leave y'all with such encouragement in this world. We are going through times that are so tough. Don't let anyone or anything take you off course just know that you are supposed to be where you are and you are recognizing that so you will be go even further in order to make sure that you continue on that right journey down that right path make sure if you're not writing things down that you're constantly thinking it that you're constantly saying thank you so much for listening to characters here podcast we would love to be a part of your life so leave us a review right now and remember don't be a stranger. Be a character. Be a character. Be a character.